When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Business in Heels podcast, the podcast that inspires and educates women in business globally to succeed. Now over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of Business and Heels podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guest today says, don't worry about your competition. Concentrate on what you do. Do it to the best of your ability and success will follow. And joining me on today's show is Effie Young. Effie is a creative professional, having lived a life that has informed everything she does, modelling, Film production, advertising, PR, sales and marketing are just some of the things that Effie has undertaken during her 30 plus years. Now, she is blessed to have worked with some of the world's greatest creative talents during a colourful career with extreme highs and some serious lows. And she has learned how to survive by never repeating the same mistake twice. Now, on today's show, Effie's going to talk about how to survive in a crowded environment. Very helpful for what's going on today. And the power to read current and future trends. Another exciting topic, which I'm looking forward to uh, you sharing more about. Effie, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. It's quite refreshing. Thanks. Look, as we went uh, before we went live on air, we were saying, you know, Melbourne is back in lockdown. Uh, it's been, I think, over 200 days, if I am correct. One of the things that I mentioned in the introduction, which is relevant to what we were talking about, is that your career has had some incredible highs and some incredible lows. And some of the things that I'm sure you'll be sharing are learned from hindsight, challenges that you've had to face head on and just navigate through. But if you would, before we dive into some of the things you want to share, give us a snapshot of your your, your journey, if you would. It's been an interesting one, and it's been one that spanned uh, obviously more than 30 years. I guess um, when I was finishing high school, I had a dream to get into the PR business, and it was a very, very new kind of course at the time. And sadly, my scores in my um, what was the HSC in New South Wales didn't allow me to get into the course. They required you for the one, one and only year ever to have maths as part of your um, suite of subjects that you had done and I didn't do very well in maths so I got some very very sage advice from a friend who said just get out there and get yourself a job and learn on the hop and I thought well that's interesting so I literally took his advice and I did everything in my power to get a job in PR 
And I was very, very fortunate to land a job with probably the grandfather of modern PR, a guy called Peter Lazar, who started professional public relations. And when he employed me, he asked me what, what I really wanted to do. And I said, I actually really want to be in PR. And I said, I don't have a degree and I didn't get into the course. So I'll do anything it takes to actually learn on the job. And he said, happy to do that. I don't think it's quite so easy for young people today to do that. But I was yeah. blessed to have a real master guide me. And simultaneously, um, I worked alongside a film producer called Michael Robertson, who had a film business called Emma, Mr. PR, uh, Mr. Film, sorry. Mm -hmm. And so working alongside these two gorgeous people, I learned a lot of, I guess, what I carry with me today, you know, what to do, you know, how to go about things. Yes. My career was sort of stalled because I was uh, fortunate enough to be given an opportunity to do some modelling. And who wouldn't, who wouldn't take that up? It was just I was young and apparently had the right features and the right, you know, persona to be able to do that. So I left working with PR and I actually went into the modelling game and I stayed there for, I guess, the best part of about seven years. And that was an education unto itself. I can imagine. Um, and I won't, I won't go into that, but I, I was very, very privileged to travel with it and also to do some extraordinary work here. And I spent a lot of time working with Maggie Tabra, who to this day I regard as really, she's been my, my mentor, my guide, because she was the most inspirational person I ever worked with. And... Mm -hmm. It, as it so happened, years and years later, I actually represented the Maggie Tabara brand for nearly five years. Wow. So we came together years later in a different capacity. And I guess, um, you know, in travelling overseas, I got to work with brilliant creative people and watched some of the great models, you know, the Jerry Halls worked alongside these people and watched how they worked. I was never at their level, but I was able to observe how they worked and carried a lot of that knowledge with me into what I did. And modelling was something that was great for me till I was 30 and then I suddenly thought, I really need more mental stimulation. What am I going to do? So PR kind of beckoned me and I had some really close friends who worked in the fashion business down here in Melbourne, um, John Bell and Michael Ford. And they invited me to come down to Melbourne to help them launch Esprit into Australia. And it was a risk. They gave me three months to prove myself. And I moved to Melbourne, lock, stock and barrel. And I can honestly say I never looked back. I went through the first three months. I was able to launch Esprit into Australia. And then I went to the United States to work with the founder of Esprit, a guy called Doug Tompkins, who literally had me kind of work alongside him for a number of months just to understand the Esprit way. And I think everybody would have to agree that Esprit was a brand that just stood out for doing everything in such to such perfection. And they were always able to read the moment and move as and when was required. So I stayed with them for seven years and got to a point within the business where there was nowhere for me to go. I mean, there were, I, 
I needed to do more. And so I took the took the punt and I thought, well, I'm just going to get out there and see what else is on offer and try for another role. And I couldn't find one. I literally was um, interviewed by Sports Girl, Jag, Country Road, but I had become so associated with the Esprit brand that they all felt that it was a little bit awkward to have mm. Mrs Esprit or Mrs Esprit, whatever you want to call me, suddenly pivot across to Country Road or Jag. And it became very clear to me that I was going to have to do something on my own. And I started a business called Style Council and it was a business that saw me through for 29 years and it was quite a journey. And much of what I've done that I'm hugely, enormously proud of was done under the banner of Style Council, which I eventually merged into the PPR group, Peter Lazar, Richard Lazar. And I was working within WPP and alongside PPR for nearly five years. And as happens, I guess the WPP was um, taken over by, or not taken over, merged with a group called STW. And it became a very corporate business. And I've always worked in the lifestyle arena, fashion and home and food. And, and I couldn't find my place in there. I wasn't the right fit. So at, a, at an age that I'm not going to mention, I found myself in a situation where I was prepared to walk away from it and start again, even though the business was very, very successful. And I had been very blessed to have worked with some just incredible people. And yes. one of those people is my business partner today, Stephanie Carden. And Steph's worked with me, and I, I don't even remember the number of years, but it's somewhere in the order of about 17 or 18 years. And we were doing projects together, just one-offs. And I said to her one day, this is crazy, Steph. We should just unite, create a business, and then just have another go. And Effie & Co was born. Yeah. Fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. There's so much gold. I mean, obviously we, we've only got limited time today, but you can unpack so much from that. But what I'm really sensing across the different experiences that you've had, I mean, uh, all of those industries were very competitive and I'm sure very uh, fast-paced, if, if you will, which is obviously why you now thrive and are in PR and obviously going to, to share some snapshots and, and, and lessons that you learned that we can now apply being in very crowded industries, many of us today too, with many more people entering because of what's happened around the world. One of the other things that I just want to draw to other people's attention because they may have missed that because I've had experience to be able to, and I think they, they call it like shadow people where they are very experienced and you just can't put a value on that to learn by observing a master at their craft or whatever area that they're in to be able to watch them work you just couldn't get that from a textbook anyway would you agree oh categorically and I think that that was what I was saying about everything I've done in my past informs what I do today and Interestingly enough, uh, I noticed in the um, background that I was filling in, you were talking about statistics and research. I've never personally paid attention to that. I have paid a lot more attention to the people around me and I observe 
what they do and I make my own judgment calls on whether or not I think that that's a good idea. And I've, I've been also, I, I consider myself clever in as much as I'm very good at identifying great people to work with. And I, I consider that to be my strength. And I always employ people that I believe are as good as, if not better, at what I do than I am. Yes. And the people that have worked with me and some of whom still do, I hold very dear to me because they're experts and they they literally give me the energy and the power and the ability to deliver what I can deliver. And that that goes for not only my my staff and those that have worked with me, both current and past, but also my incredible clients. And, you know, in the case of a client like um, Anderson Brockhurst Enterprises, who is the company behind Dita Von Teese Lingerie, the Nika and Sainted Sisters, we've been working together now for, oh, gosh, it's got to be 12 years. And we have a relationship that's based on trust and understanding and I guess also being prepared to join hands and take risks and do things that, that, that actually work. And, and they're clever people. They're very clever people. And I'm surrounded by clever people. And I, I think that's another thing is when you are going out looking for new business or, or, or are approached by clients for potential new business, having the ability to say no to the things that you don't believe that you're going to be great at. Yes. And there are times when I sort of go, wow, that would be amazing. But it's not our core skill set. It's not what we would do a great job of. And Steph and I often argue the point, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about things, we'll research clients, and then we'll look at each other and say, we're not the right people for this. Mm. And we walk away. And I think that that's very important. It's not about being the biggest it's about being the best that you can be for a client or for a business and delivering a service that's very personal and very targeted and very collaborative. And yeah. that, that's been um, something that I really have seen bear fruit over the years. Yeah. You know, as you, you were sharing uh, the, the kind of relationships you establish with your clients and the, you know, the building of trust, I think that that is just integral. Would you say that even, you know, in situations where markets do have a downturn, it is that trust that holds those relationships together, if you will, that even though there may be, uh, you know, opportunities that you can't yet put into place, your customers still will come back to you rather than going off and trying to to price shop those kind of things for want of, you know, kind of another word. Because so often when we are in business and there is a bit of a town turn, we do the opposite to what you've said. Don't take on business just for the sake of taking on business. You need to make sure that you're able to fulfil, uh, you know, the requirements because if we're not, that that creates distrust, doesn't it, if you're not able totally. to deliver business. Would you say trust is one of the most important factors for you as a culture and individually and with your business partner as you're working with clients? Well, it's trust right across the board. It's not only trust with your staff. You've got to trust your staff and you have to 
understand that they have a job to do and let them do it. Too often people are too controlling and they won't let people um, sort of spread their wings. I, I'm, the, I'm the opposite. My, my internal motto is delegate or die. And I, it's a terrible thing to say, but I've watched how the people that work with me have absolutely flourished and done great things. And I think also trust with clients is something, and, and I'll use this current COVID situation as an example to explain how trust works two ways. When we were forced to go into lockdown, what is it, on the 23rd or 4th of March last year, mm. it was very apparent that this was going to cause great concern, not only for us, but for our clients. So we made it a point to actually talk to our clients and say, you cannot afford to let us go during this time. We have to keep your name out there. However, what we will do is we will put our retainer fee circumstances on hold. We will go on JobKeeper and we will continue to work with you through this time so that we can stay connected with you and when we come out the other side, we'll all be the better for it. I won't have lost your business and you won't have lost your, your position in the marketplace. And together we can do some clever things. And it was, we, we did some amazing work for the Children's Cancer Network, Camp Quality. And, you know, Steph is a master publicist and I love working with her and what she did to draw attention to camp quality right across Australia by us as a group, client and FINCO, creating an event called Camping for Camp Quality, wow. which was an event that was absolutely able to be held at home. Mm -hmm. And we encouraged, I can't remember the exact numbers, but from a base of zero, we raised in excess of $340,000 in a campaign that was conceived and implemented and completed within a six-week time, six time frame. We then followed that up by collectively working together with them with another campaign called The Big Walk for Little Kids. That too was something that was able to be undertaken during lockdown because you were allowed outside for an hour or two a day and you could walk and you could count your steps and you could count your kilometres. And that raised an extraordinary amount of money. And then we did other projects. So the point I'm trying to make is they trusted us, we trusted them, and together we made music and yes. we raised money. Yeah, and, and I you think adapted the circumstances that were you had to, uh, I guess, navigate through. There was only so many uh, amount of time that people were out outside, so you kind of wove that into, um, yeah, the the parameters of that project. Effie, I'm I'm really intrigued, and I know that you've already shared a number of different things around reading, uh, you know, current and and future trends. One of the things that you said is that you know you, 
observing others and you've got this innate ability to be able to 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 read kind of what's going on there what are some some tips if you will and insights that you can share that maybe for people that don't quite have that skill is that something that you recognize that you had early on or was it honed through some of the mentors that you've had or a bit of both and then secondly so how can we build that and then secondly what are some of the things that you typically will look out for when it comes to reading current and future trends just so that we can be a bit bit aware of it because I think that's key for any business owner to be so able to kind of keep their eye and and, on future things and kind of navigate through it till all of a sudden think well I never saw that coming sometimes you need to hone that skill don't you to be able to you do position it Uh, it's really interesting Um, another mentor of mine uh, is Mike Ford who people might know from he went into the good guys and he built that business and he built it up from um, from a certain level to a point where it was just one of the most successful uh, white goods retailers in the country and was able to sell it into JB Hi-Fi. And he always said to me, always, always focus on what you do best and make sure you look around, you see what's happening around you, pay attention to what's happening in the news. It's not about breaking news, it's seeing trends emerge. And I think one of, once again, using COVID as a more recent example of this, um, we, no, actually, I'm not going to use COVID, I'm going to actually step back to the white shirt came for witchery, okay? Witchery had flourished and I worked with Peter Liu to relaunch the Witchery brand quite a long way back. And he'd done a beautiful job, beautiful job of shaping that brand into a version of what it is today. He then, uh, they they sold the business on. And when I parted company with Peter Liu, it was really something that we had agreed well in advance. He said to me, I want you to work with us for the best part of three years. I want you to help train my team so that we can take it into the future fine we had that understanding right from the get-go and so he gave me a hell of a lot of leeway to do a lot of really exciting things and he sold that business and it was taken over by a part was a management buyer venture capitalist and over a period of time it had lost a certain amount of ground and so I went into, I was approached by the new CEO, a brilliant guy called Ian Nan, uh, who said to me, can you help us reboot Witchery? We really need to give it a shot in the arm. It had it, we seem to have lost our way a little bit. What are we not doing right? And so I went and sat in this, not one store, a dozen stores, customer behaviour. and. I noticed that if you remember back, Witchery used to sell pink ribbons for breast cancer and silver ribbons for ovarian cancer research. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching people buy their products and go up to the counter and the sales girls and say, would you like to buy a ribbon? And would you like to buy a breast cancer ribbon or an ovarian cancer ribbon? And then people would sort of say, but I bought one last week mm-hmm. or, you know, I've got a dozen of them. And I could see that there was this interesting thing a business was it had a heart and it was doing great things and it was raising funds but I could see that having a heart 
needed to be more powerful and more seemingly organic or something. I'm not quite sure how to put it. So I went back to Ian and said, I've got an idea. And I said, the witchery has always been seen to have a heart, but that heart's suddenly looking a little bit dusty because there seems to be a certain amount of implied pressure having to buy a ribbon at the checkout every time you purchase something. And business with a heart is something that I truly believe in, absolutely believe in, and I've seen the benefits it brings to business time and time again. In this instance, what we decided to do was to create a limited edition collection. And I can't say that that idea was entirely mine. I was in New York on a, on a business trip and I walked past a retail store that will remain nameless who had done an amazing white shirt program. And I thought, we could, we could do this for witchery in a slightly different way. So I rang in from New York and I said, I've got an idea. I'm going to put it into a proposal for you. And I think that this will be an absolutely brilliant, brilliant venture for witchery to invest in. And he said, I've got X amount of dollars. And I said, that's fine. We can do that. And to this day, it's one of the most successful cause-related marketing campaigns. And it is their signature marketing initiative each and every year. And we formed a partnership with Mattis Magazine in that first instance. We worked with the leading model agencies and we got Miranda Kerr and Alyssa Sutherland and the list went on. We shot all those girls were living in New York. My then business partner, Kaz Kingdon, went to New York, shot the girls for the cover of Madison with these amazing white shirts with Alex Perry skirts on. We got it all given to us for nothing because of the fact that 100% of the proceeds were going to be got to, handed over to the Ovarian Cancer Research Fund. Incredible. That campaign, and, it, and it, was, it, was, it lasted for a month. So you went into it and you went out of it. We had a limited number of shirts so they knew exactly how much they could raise if we sold out. We sold out. They did tracking prior to the campaign and after the campaign, and the rest is history. Yes. To this day, they still deliver it, and each year it's bigger and better than the last. And I personally look at it every single year and I go, I am really proud mm. that that was an initiative that we did, that we created. And I don't know what the, the figure is, but I know it's in excess of 10 million that it's raised today. It's possibly more like 20. I don't know the number because I'm not privy to it, but I'd love to know because it's going to the benefit of women suffering from ovarian cancer. It goes straight into research. Yes. And that and is all reading a trend. Observing, yeah. Observing behaviour and let's face it, we we that behaviour is on show, isn't it, right in front of us. We just need to know what, what to look for. And then I love the way that, you know, and, and what I'm sensing too is you're always, you, your radar is always out, I would imagine. What's going on? Can we adapt? Can we adopt something similar to that? You saw something that happened over, obviously, there was another organisation that did that. You thought, well, we can take that and make it our own. And how yeah. often, 
are we looking to create something new? It's rather, well, look, have a look at what else is working well. Can you put a spin on that, your own spin? And possibly, like you've just given us an example, really make it your own and incredibly successful. I would imagine, too, having that kind of event really allowed you know, them to, to create almost a buzz and people really being able to get behind that, you know, incredible stories and and so forth. Um, yeah, and I, I think, think the, I mean, and then, of course, handing that, the stories, or my PR team developing those stories and being able to push it out there, we were able to generate well in excess of $5 million worth of PR if on, a, on an AVE basis. But equally, I was able to, um, approach media networks and I got a, a community service advertising support campaign that was actually valued at $6 million. And so we got all of that for nothing and we got billboards all around Sydney. We got the most beautiful TV. We got radio. We used the audio of people like Miranda Kerr and Alyssa Sutherland speaking to their experience with cancer in their lives, et cetera. And I mean, I know that's, that was then, and then more recently, um, a trend reading um, example was in lockdown last year, uh, we were sort of in lockdown here in Melbourne and then we came out and then we were in again. And I've got a brand that I work very closely on called The Knicker. And by the way, they're the most comfortable knickers in the entire universe, you've got to try them. Um, and <laughs> Helen rang me and she said, Helen Anderson, who um, heads up Anderson Brockhurst with Lara Brockhurst, rang me and said, what can we do to keep the Nicker brand out in the marketplace? And I said, well, there's never been a better time to talk to women about comfort, Helen. They're locked down. And let's face it, they're all wearing their daggy track pants. And who wants to wear fancy undies? They want to wear comfy undies. And I said, when we come out of this lockdown, let's do a little series of tv commercials so i went to a um, um a media company and i was able to buy media very very inexpensively tv and we did a series of 15 second tvcs for the nicker and we put them on tv during lockdown and the sales just went through the roof <laughs> went through the roof people go i need those comfy now i need those comfy undies right now and so they were just getting these amazing orders. And we did that literally in a matter of a week. Yeah. And we read the trend. People wanted comfort and we had comfy undies, comfy yeah. knickers. And what I loved about what you said, you thought of the idea and you didn't take months and months and months to, you know, contemplate, could this be a good idea? You were doing it, you know, and I think when you when you observe trends, you need to be agile enough and, and able, I would imagine, to implement as quickly as possible, yes, to take advantage of what's mm -hmm. going on, yeah. Well, that's the trust thing. Yeah. That's when your client goes, yeah, we can do this, we can do this. Without that trust... That would never have happened. Yeah. It would never have happened. And equally, that trust applies to the suppliers that we worked with. I rang Chelsea Bonner and said, Chelsea, I've got this campaign I want to do. I've got a very limited budget to do it. You've got talent that aren't getting a lot of work. Let's do this together. And she went on the journey with me. She's she's also one of my clients. So Bella Model Management is a client of ours and we work together with them on a number of different projects. But it's that sort of 
client supplier relationship the the videographer that filmed it once again we work together and we trust each other's abilities i didn't have to sell him to my client because i knew he could do it i said trust me he can do this helen and he did the most amazing job and so it's it's always about that 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 circle of trust staff clients suppliers and once you have great suppliers stay true to them yeah absolutely yeah they'll support you through the tough times and vice versa you support them through the tough times i'm sorry the sun is just about brightly shining on you we love what you're sharing with us and um i know we're just about out of out of time and you could probably share so many uh stories such as that but i mean the lessons that we've taken away from that absolutely what you just reconfirmed the ability to develop those trusted relationships and continue to you know to really treat those relationships with with gloves you know golden gloves because it, it will come back um and and the fact that you were able to support one another even though and and collaborate even though there were there was a downturn in the marketplace and i think um that's what's really important and needed now across all industries, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, internationally and the, the collaboration. And one of the things that I wanted to pick up on that you said, and I, I thought, my goodness, of the conversations that I've had with many women leaders, you said, I always hire people that are better than myself, that are experts. It takes a confident person to do that because so often we don't want to hire and don't, as I've, one of the conversations that I've often had that as leaders we don't want to show our team that we may not know something but we want to surround ourselves as you said with people who are experts in their field because together you're able to provide even better quality service and support for your clients yes oh absolutely and anybody that is scared to employ people better than better than themselves is out of their mind i absolutely have no problem turning to my team and saying, I can't do that. I have no idea. I have no desire. You think about all the young people with these incredible, um, they have incredible energy. They have contemporary knowledge that we can tap into. And of course, they're going to be better at things than we are. They've been trained better. If you knew what it took for me to get these earpods in my ear today, you would be laughing your head off. I got one of my staff members, to sort me out and she did it without even blinking and I was just panicking and because I never used them anyway because I I just think that you know the power of people is important and giving the people that you work alongside whether it's your employees or your your clients or um, your suppliers just giving the opportunity to participate collaborate support it develops respect and that's what gets you through the tough times that's what gets you through and looking at what your competitors doing is useless who cares yeah. if you're looking at what they're doing you're not looking at your clients that's that's, right. that's the truth of the matter I, and you're I, ignoring that that whole marketing tactic look at what you what your competition is doing is like look at what my competition is doing why would i want to do that but one of the things that you said and i think this is so important it was one of the mentors who also reconfirmed this for you Effie, is know what you're good at 
And if you can stay in your lane, there's plenty of business for everyone. And I'm sure that you may have even gotten some stories where you collaborate with some of your competitors because they realize, hey, there's a client opportunity here. That's not our skill set, but can we somehow collaborate? Some of my closest colleague, you know, collegial relationships were with people who were, ter- you know, kind of termed competitors, but we did business together because I specialised in a certain area. And I think that that's, um, you can't achieve that if you don't know what you're good at and stay in that lane and just get, you know, exceptional at what you do. Would you say that that's? Yeah. Yeah. We're actually, right this very minute, we're collaborating with another organisation called Howcoms who approached us to work alongside them on a very big project. And we did it gladly because they have their skill set. And Kristen and Doris do a lot of work with um, Chinese businesses because um, Doris is a Mandarin-speaking Chinese girl herself, so she can do all the client liaison. And they they stay in their lane and we deliver the fashion um, expertise. And I have to say we're having fun working with them, having an enormously good time working with them because we both do what we're good at. Yes. What's not to like about that? What's not to like about that at all? So, you know, eternally grateful for the opportunities that Howcom's brought our way. And I'm sure, likewise, they love the fact that we can provide them with the fashion expertise and support that they need for the Shein client that we're working together on. And... I must say it's a little interesting right now working in a COVID environment trying to put some big events on, but we're getting there. Yeah. <laughs> navigating we're, through that day at a we're time. Navigating. We're doing a lot of <laughs> navigating, and I mean a lot of navigating, but um, we're doing some beautiful work together. And, you know, I agree working, I, I worked um, hand in glove as part of a team with the Campaign Palace, Davidson Design, and a few other incredible organisations, including my cl- my clients, Helen and Lara, in delivering the Designers for Target program. Now, I'm still working with a bunch of those people on other projects, and we had a ball, and we all stayed in our lane, and we yeah. created one of the biggest retail events in the history, fashion retail events in the Australian fashion history for Stella McCartney for Target. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. And, you know, one of the things that I would imagine that's very important for you too, and the, the reason I share this is because you see other industries and you hear about, you know, some of the cutthroat, the competitiveness. When you stay in your lane and you're partnering with a company, and I was always of this mindset too, if you are introduced to a client or a number of clients through that you know, the collaboration partner, you treat it with utmost respect in that. And in, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have to discuss this because I know that it's just part of who you are, the core values that you bring. Don't undercut the collaboration partner and try and get that client. You know, the, the things that you often see is happening because what you said, you have to build on trust. So if you're introduced to a client, treat that relationship with as just, you know, the utmost of respect and trust too because then opportunities will come to you because of that and because of the trust that you've built with the collaboration partner who's seen that, you know, you you worked with the utmost respect. I'm sure that that's been across all of the partnerships and the collaborations you've done, yes? Yeah, absolutely. And interestingly enough, the reason I'm sitting here today is Lisa Sweeney, yeah. who obviously is the CEO at uh, Business in Heels. She and I worked together when she was at Target and yeah. we created 
a trusting relationship then. And we were actually having lunch during one of our non-lockdown lockdown times. And she said to me, would you be interested in doing this interview? And I said, oh, oh yeah, okay, sure. But I mean, that too was, it was, it was, I was very flattered to be asked first and foremost, but you know, it, it came from the place where she knew who I was, what I was capable of, and it was a it was a trust thing as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's I was talking to Lisa today actually, and I mentioned to her, I'm speaking to Effie this afternoon. She's oh, she said uh, she's a I can't remember the exact words, but something like a character. You're going to have an absolute ball, and uh, she was certainly uh, right with that. Effie, share a little bit more about your company if people are listening or watching and uh, would love to connect with you. What's the best way for you for for them to do that? Well, I mean, they, they can send us, they can send me an, e, uh, an email, effie at effieandco.com.au. Um, our, the business is myself and Steph, and we have a team of people who work alongside us. Um, the business is quite different to the setup that I had, the Style Council. Steph and I made a decision when we launched Effie and Co that we didn't want to have hordes of staff what we wanted to do was to be able to build teams for clients based on the right skill set. And, you know, currently I'm working with a producer called Belinda Slade who worked with me for many years, whom I just, you know, I just know that I can hand her a task and that she can do it and I don't have to think twice about it. And Steph's of the same mindset. We like to work with people that we've worked with previously so basically what we do is that we are a team of four and we have this beautiful network of talented people to extend our team, but we handpick them. Yeah. They've all been ex-employees um, or people that we've worked alongside. And that's how FE Co works. And once upon a time, we were an organisation that pretty much focused 100% on fashion. These days, not. We work in, um, we're working alongside Camp Quality. We worked, we've worked many years with a group called Youth Projects. Um, we work with Freedom Furniture. We're working with My House and House Bed and Bath, um, Bella Model Management, Shein. We've got a wonderful, diverse mix of clients. We do fabulous work for them all. We love our clients without exception. Love them. Yeah. We're blessed. We pick up the phone to our clients and we have, really good friendly conversations but respectful conversations mm -hmm. and we don't want to be huge we just want to be good at what we do and I've got to say I'm enormously proud of us of all of us and you know the the young members of our team Amanda and Lucy they're, they're incredible they do great work and when we when we take on a project um we take it on so that we see it to the end and we turn back and we go, that was fabulous. And that's our that that's the promise that we give people. Yeah, and we will we will be very transparent about whether or not we're good at yeah. If somebody briefs us, are we right for this? Mm -hmm. We might be, we might not be. Yeah, terrific. And is there a website that you would like to draw people's attention to? Yeah, it's, uh, it's www.feandco.com.au. 
Terrific. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, Lisa was uh, right when she said you'll have a marvellous conversation. You've got such rich, rich uh, experience. And, you know, I, I think in situations such as we find ourselves today, we want to surround ourselves with people who can and, and people who are placed to be able to look at you know, what happened previously? How did we adapt that way? You know, we we are able through, I think, experience. And we, we take this often for granted from people who have gone and there, there's been a number of years be, before uh, us, if you will, and I'm certainly getting that that getting to that stage but the the history that and the richness and wealth of experience I said you cannot get that from a book, you know, the learnings you cannot um yeah so surround yourself with people you know and uh, certainly adopt many of the things that you spoke about today because it's held you in good stead it's you know you've been in in, in a number of different industries which are highly competitive very competitive and um you know can learn a lot from you and we have today so thanks once again for coming on the show Oh, and that's been an absolute pleasure. It's gone very fast. I was very nervous before this. Before oh, yes, this I've never thought that. Never oh, that. my God. The conversation between us, that's all right. And we share it with yeah. a few people who are around. We know that we've got some people that have been watching, but um, I know and we have a number of people who will certainly catch the replay too and then the audio version. So thank you so much for, for sharing. Um, yeah your insights and uh, I know it's certainly going to be helpful for people as they navigate through this next lock ne next lockdown and and what business may look for look like for them uh, moving forward and and look I want to say if anyone's listening and, and would like to have a conversation please get in touch with us we'd be delighted and uh, our skills are reasonably broad trust me and if we yeah. don't have the skills we find the people that do have got them. someone in your network who uh, would 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 be able to support as well so um, absolutely yeah, well exactly. thanks it's been a treat thanks so much Anne-Marie take care bye <music>